0: Well, welcome to episode 55 of the Planet LP podcast. I'm Ted Astrogadu, and in this episode, well, it continues with that kind of old home vibe week, and that's because my former co-pilot on this musical journey is coming back for a special guest star appearance. What we're going to talk about isn't all nostalgia and warm and fuzzy memories. Well, maybe there'll be a bit of that, but mostly this episode is going to focus on songs that haven't aged well. More specifically, songs that kind of make us cringe, leave a sour taste in our mouth, especially in light of the Me Too movement. As I mentioned in almost every episode, you can follow or subscribe to Planet LP on the most widely used podcasting apps. Socially speaking, you can connect with Planet LP on Instagram and Twitter at ThePlanetLP. Facebook, it's Planet LP, and you can email me at Ted at PlanetLP. Well, let's not dally any longer. Time to turn the spotlight on some unsavory songs. did a pretty lousy tease at the outset about who's back on the pod as a special guest star. But if you haven't guessed by now, it's my good friend, John Young. Hello,
1: John, and welcome back. Thank you so much, Ted. It feels great to be back in the co-pilot seat with you, although I think my license expired. So I'm going to turn to you for... No, I know. Well, no, it didn't expire when it comes to podcasting. But I've been a fan of Planet LP, even though I haven't been a part of it per se for several episodes. I can't believe it's up to 55, though. I was in that first... 29 to 30 it's crazy how this thing has taken off and i have let folks know music fans everywhere they've got to tune in you learn stuff from this podcast you're not gonna find or hear or learn from in other casts with the you know, the dash there. It's a cast, man. I'm podding today with my friend Ted. Well, thank you very much. Like the Hotel California, you can check out anytime, John, but you can never leave. You're always going to be back
0: on Planet LP. Every now and then, i got to loop you in and bring you back. Now, John is still the morning show host at 95.3 KUIC in lovely Vacaville, California, and you can hear him Monday through Fridays. You don't even have to live in the area to hear him on the air. Just tell your smart speaker to play 95.3 KUIC, and just like that, He'll be there. So you and I were going back and forth about show ideas, and we settled on one you pitched about sour songs, or what I'm calling, Wow, that didn't age well. So, (laughs) uh, is that Roquefort? (laughs) Did you just work out? Where's the cat? Somebody clean the box. You're right. (laughs) Exactly. P-U, right? So it won't really take much more than that to set up and explain the topic. So with that, I
1: turn it over to John for his first cringy pick. You know, I had to divide my cringy picks into what I call classic sour and Mm -hmm. modern sour. So I'll start with a a classic sour tune uh, from one of your and my favorite bands, The Beatles. Um, they are not necessarily known as a uh, as a band that that stomped all over the concept of the Me Too movement, but they did on various songs. One of the most famous of those is off the Rubber Soul record, came out in 1965, the year I was born, the year you were born, Frank. Yeah, it's a good year. Yeah, it's a great year, a great year for the, this record was was chock full of hits. But one of the the lesser known tunes wasn't a huge hit. Is Run for Your Life a John Lennon song mm-hmm. that he claims in interviews was inspired by his rough and tumble nature prior to, you know, meeting Yoko Ono and getting in touch with some of his feelings and some of the emotional, uh, work that he had to do come going through, uh, you know, what is it? Primal screen therapy and some of the crazy right. stuff that got him in a more peaceful mode, uh, towards the end of the sixties. This is a song about, uh, threatening a woman. Uh, and if she, if she, uh, speaks up uh you know he, he's going to come after her it's it's an absolutely horrid uh set of lyrics and it's not even that great a song structurally you know what i mean as a musician myself and you too sometimes we're like okay back in the day i can excuse some bad lyrics because listen to that guitar riff there's, right. there's no real riff on this song this song is um this song is literally filler on a beatles album which you know because it's the beatles people go well it's still pretty good isn't it it's not it's it's it's, it's not worth listening to if only to to understand maybe that uh, the Beatles make mistakes as well. And this is, this is one that John Lennon came to regret recording. Um, Ultimately it's, it's, it's instructional to listen to uh, this is 1965. That puts John Lennon at around 24 years old. He's the, I think the second oldest in the Beatles behind Ringo. And he's married with a, with a one-year-old kid at home. And it just, when you add that to context and then you listen to the song, you just put it on vinyl or go, you know, get it off of Spotify or wherever you get your tunes, you download your songs. I guarantee you're going to walk away going not that great a song. The lyrics are awful. And that's why it gets on my classic sour list. It, a very kind of shocking. The Beatles had a couple of songs like that, but run for your life is the most egregious and, and obviously icky. Icky. That's probably a b- great way to put it,
0: that these songs are kind of icky in many ways. And that dovetails nicely into My first pick, which is Robin Thicke's Blurred Lines. Now, I'm not sure this 2013 song was ever anything but cringy, but sure, it had the distinction of sounding, oh, so much like Marvin Gaye's Got to Give It Up. But songwriters Robin Thicke, Clifford Harris, and especially Pharrell Williams didn't quite understand why the song was rapey. The good girl in the song, according to Williams, he said that, yes, she's a good girl, but even good girls want to do things, and that's where you get the blurred line. see? He also says that he's from a different era. Now, Pharrell is actually younger than us, and even you and I can look at this song or listen to it and go, yeah, I don't know, man. This is kind of like, ooh, But he said that a lot of women were singing along to the song when it came out. So he was baffled by the backlash. Absolutely. He was just like,
1: what? I don't get it. Didn't he perform this song with like Miley Cyrus and a very, um, I guess you could call it, uh, erotic performance art performance at either the MTV video awards or something, which, which brought more of that to the fore. like, come on, man, what are you doing? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, it got, the cringe factor was probably, well, it was up to 11. maybe. It really was up to 11. Uh, I can say that. Absolutely. So uh, I think that maybe Pharrell was a bit baffled by the fact that he and uh, you know, Robin Thicke had to write a $5 million check to the family of Marvin Gaye for damages and other fees associated with stealing the music of one hit song to make another hit song. So cringy in the way the lyrics are, but I'm sure he cringed when he had to write that check. So
1: blurred lines, Robin thick. That's my first cringy pick. Uh, yeah. Thank you. I'm going to jump to my modern sour list of cringy songs, and I want to set this up in a way that I think you will understand. And I hope a uh, planet LP uh, podcast listeners will understand. I've got a small uh, gym in my garage just a small Mm -hmm. gym that I used to work out in and I will often that's when I listen to Planet LP frankly or listen to other podcasts or I listen to music and when I get working out and I'm sweaty and I'm feeling great sometimes I'll put on 80s 70s 90s rock and I was listening to Def Leppard's uh, song Let It Go and I'm just air guitaring myself into a frenzy I mean I'm between reps of course you've seen me (laughs) I'm quite buff. That's that's a joke. I'm just I'm, I'm trying to stay in shape. The bottom you're line is, shape. I, well, I'm between reps, right? So I am air guitaring that great riff from Let It Go, and all of a sudden the lyrics are starting to come out, and it's about you know, now get down on your knees and what? Uh oh, and let me know you're eager to please. I, I, what am I? Oh my! So I put my air guitar literally back in the in the air guitar case and walked away from it. I was literally ashamed because I was rock and I'm standing on top of the workout bench, pretending to just solo, like uh, Phil Collin. It got me to that point where I thought I've got to find a treasure trove of, of better songs of non sour songs. Cause I still need to rock, right? I've got it. I still need to get out there and let it rock, let it roll, let it go either that, or I've just got to blank out the lyrics. I've got to rewrite lyrics. I've got to have one of those things that takes the lyrics out. So you don't have to listen to them, but you can just listen to the music. Anyway, my point is, You get into a point or a space where you're digging the music, but if you combine the lyrics to it, all of a sudden you are finding yourself at a crossroads of what the F should I do here? And I see a lot of songs on my list that have that problem where I'm digging the riff. I want to rock Def Leppard. Love you guys. Love Joe Elliott. He seems like a nice guy. They all seem like great guys, but you wrote some misogynist shit. And now I've got to deal with that now. And I think the way to deal with it obviously is to find other songs and move on. But uh, Def Leppard's let it go. Great riff, but I can't recommend the sentiment behind the lyrics. They're turd-like. You and I are on the
0: same page with regards to when you hear a good riff and it's really heavy and it's really getting you pumped up and you're not really paying attention to the lyrics so much because you're Uh kind of digging the vibe of the song. And that's my next pick. It's by Nickelback and it's a song called Something in Your Mouth. This song came out in 2008 and has some really heavy sounding music, some great guitar work on there. But the lyrics are, well, here's a sample. You're ripping up the dance floor, honey, you naughty woman. You shake your ass around for everyone. I love the way you dance with anybody, the way you swing. And tease them all by sucking on your thumb. You're so much cooler when you never pull it out because you look so much cuter with something in your mouth. Yeah. That song went to number one on mainstream rock in the United States, number four in Canada, and number 21 on the US Alternative Airplay chart in 2009. I know sex and drugs and rock and roll tend to sell, but at some point, songs like this just feel super creepy and gross, especially when you listen to it. And I remember I was putting this on in, in the car. And I picked up my daughter from school and we're driving. And I wasn't, I was kind of digging the guitar sound again, like the Def Leppard song you were referencing earlier. And she blurts up from the back seat, This song's making me uncomfortable. <laughs> Give
1: Maya some credit, man. She's smarter than all of us.
0: Right. And I was like, she's listening to the lyrics. And I'm kind of like, man, that guitar is just so heavy and cool. And, and then I thought, oh God, this is, this is gross. You're right. I'm going to turn this off. So I did. Nickelback,
1: something in your mouth, 2008, gross song. You're a good father, Ted S. (laughs) Regato. That's all I can say. I will jump back quickly to my classic sour list, Under My Thumb by the Rolling Stones. Um, Today, by the way, we're recording this on Mick Jagger's 79th birthday. Okay. so It's it's July 26th today. Right. He's an old, haggard, wrinkled man. And they don't do this song live anymore for good reason. Under Mm. My Thumb. Is a stinker. Okay. If you want to get into the argument of classic rock, and this is one of those, you know, one of their first early gazillion selling singles in the mid 60s, you can take that tack if you want. But even in 1966, this song is deplorable in every way, shape, and form. It's an awful song. The lyrics are horrible. I've seen a lot of punk bands cover it. I actually have to make a confession. I think. One of the bands I played in, in the early 2000s, covered this as kind of a like a punk rave up, playing it twice as fast and you know shredding guitar solos and whatnot. But I still feel horrible. How do you say any of that? There's not one offensive lyric in this song. The entire song's offensive, okay? <laughs> She's under my thumb, okay? Like a squirmy dog who's just had her day, under my thumb. Like Even in the 60s, how did you write this with a straight face? Or did you just say, you know, I think the birds are like this because they really will follow along with the concept that you know, we're, I'm dominating you. And that's fun pop, you know, right? Are you right, Keith? I'll that- <laughs> tell you what we well, do is soften it up, Mick. We'll put a little xylophone on there. You know? <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't even know. I mean, I can delve deep into it. I put the xylophone in it. It's that whole Charlie Watts and that nice solid drum beat. And there goes Bill Wyman with that solid bass. Who cares? It's a horrible song. And here's a band who's got a catalog of 7 billion songs let this one die. Let it go away. You, you you made a mistake. You're a bunch of 20-somethings who thought you could write some misogynist piece of crap. You did. You made a lot of money. Move on. I think I agree with you on this one. I, there's a another Rolling Stones song, of course,
0: and that's Brown Sugar that is kind of in the same vein in terms of it's a dance floor hit. And when I used right. to do a lot of mobile DJing work and I put that one on, man, the place was packed. They loved it. They like screaming. It's just one of those songs where... The lyrics kind of get buried because the vibe of the song is so much more powerful. Uh, it's just got that great guitar riff. It just it just has that feel of energy, and you're not really quite listening to the lyrics unless you start to really look listen to the lyrics, and then everyone's all like, "Wait a minute! Is this about slavery and rape and?"
1: masters and servants and what the hell is this would you guys write this for and lest we think that the rolling stones learned their lesson in the 60s and early 70s i would throw this one at you mixed emotions from the steel wheels record which came out in 1989 so we're talking about again you know what the stones were in their 50s by this point or close to it mixed emotions has got that same kind of button your limb baby button your cool which is coat without the t <laughs> right? i mean that's i'm not the only one it's a great i mean it's got you know all kinds of great backer but button your lip and button your coat come on mick jagger stop it how many how many illegitimate kids do you have to have to finally settle down and go i have got to start respecting people a bit more than i do you know so i don't know but you know so i'm 79 today so a happy birthday to my many many children I'm so many i don't even keep track really so <laughs> <laughs> I think we all need a little we all need to go to a seminar together okay we all yeah. need some training of some kind can you imagine mick jagger sensitivity training <laughs> i'm thinking what is the so mr jagger would you like to repeat again how does it feel when someone says i don't really follow any of this you know i just got i just want some champagne and some roasted duck and i'm gonna work on my next song is that all right really well, happy birthday to me well let me ask this question of you before I completely derail this conversation where do you separate the sexy from the horrible right you talked about right. Uh, right. about rock and roll and some of your picks even and some of the things you considered uh, are are sexy and there i mean Marvin Gaye wrote sexual healing i that is what to me i don't know i hear that song and i hear kind of sexual positivity mm-hmm. and and quality to some degree. So you can you can have a sexy song, right? You can make a dead man hum. I don't know if that's as horrible as as some of the imagery that we talked about earlier in a song like Under My Thumb, which is just <laughs> literally is like a just a crushing, I'm better than you and you'll do as I say and you'll like it. Right? I mean, right. wow. That, that's a good point. A good I was
0: song. trying to think of like some print songs, because they're just as dirty in many ways. Like if I listen to you like you got the look or something, it doesn't feel gross too much i guess a little bit but but not to the not to the point that it's offensive
1: yes and and when yeah. we're being very very subjective, and this is very arbitrary, but we're, mm-hmm. as, as two sensitive 57-year-old men who've been around music our whole lives, we grew up listening to some stuff that just as in, in reflection now is just not okay. And now I'm really in tune to it because like I said, I'm out there in the home gym and I'll, I'll all of a sudden like frustrated look at myself, like, I can't listen to this. I need to put on some, maybe some classic country. I Well, of course, that'll get you. So who knows? <laughs> exactly. Wow. You know, you were There's talking a
0: about, about a band thing. that you were in and you
1: did a, a kind of a punkish ska version. Was it ska kind of under my thumb Was version? It under, or like a up punk version of, of punk under my version. thumb. And I think we were thumbing our nose at the concept of the song by rocking it too hard and whatever, but it's still unacceptable. And now that right. I look at it, I would I'd never do it now.
0: With punk, you also have a kind of an offshoot with ska in this band, Sublime, sort of rode that wave in 1998. And the song Wrong Way got a lot of airplay, and it is super creepy and gross. Like Nickelback, Wrong Way, the lyrics kind of get a little upstaged by the music and the vocal delivery, because the vocal delivery is very strong, but it doesn't take a good pair of headphones or even a lyric sheet to quickly realize that, yeah, this is really wrong. (laughs) I don't know much more to say than it about a guy who's in love with a 14-year-old prostitute He had sex with her and he plots to kill her dad who's pimping her out. So maybe there's a sense of morality with the refrain that it's the wrong way, but it kind of rings hollow to me on this one. I don't know about you. I mean, it was this song was all over radio back in the in the late
1: 90s. The band Sublime is from the Long Beach area where I uh, did my graduate work and lived in Long Beach from 1992, right before I moved up to Northern California, uh, mid-1992. And they were all the rage they were just coming up in the clubs, them and, and uh, bands like No Doubt who were, they were all kind of part of that Southern California ska rock thing. F- the late lead singer, Bradley, I'm forgetting his last name, right. uh, from Sublime, was considered sort of like a, um, like a ska poet. He was he was considered very avant-garde and kind of smarter than everybody else. And, and in that scene, I, I mean, I heard that song too, and I'm like, this is pretty gross. And he, he mm-hmm. that's not the only gross stuff he's written. He's he, I mean, he has some pretty severe sexual imagery in a lot of their sublime stuff. But I wrote it off at the time as well. This guy's supposed to be a genius. He's obviously you know he's got some deeper meaning going on here, and I just need to f- go with the flow and you know have a cold one and listen to this song on the beach and get into it. And now, upon further reflection, that's kind of where we're at today. It's like, oh, ick. Ooh, yeah. You're not going to get this in the uh, literature salons. Everyone sitting around <laughs> drinking black
0: coffee and parsing the lyrics of Wrong Way. So what? So the 14 year old girl who's a prostitute. It's um. It's a metaphor, right? No, it's literal.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, Next oh. question. Okay, that's <laughs> exactly. Well, well, on with your you, pick you- then. Well, unless you Thank want to talk more about this uh, sublime well, but uh, again your your picks uh, Ted and this I mean this from the bottom of my heart there I know very few people who have the depth of knowledge and the taste that you have that that covers such a wide range of music. You are one of the more fun humans to have a discussion about music with because I always learn something. You, even though we're the same age and I feel like we kind of like the same stuff. We're both incredible Kiss fans and we have that kind of, you know, and Love Rush and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. But you will always take me to down different uh, interesting musical alleys and I appreciate that about you very much. And Ode to our friendship that was literally based on kiss. I think that's how we got to know one another You yeah, kiss. It's true. too. Hey, it's true. Um, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to pick a, a song from their rock and roll over. Even the, even the album titles a little bit. Uh, if you, if you think too hard about it. Um, one of my favorite kiss riffs and, and songs, I love the live version. I love the studio version from rock and roll over is the song making love by Paul Stanley. Mm -hmm. Great riff. Um, And I love the Peter Chris drum work in it. And I'm just, again, this is one of the ones, I'm out there in the little home gym and I'm just pumping it up, man. I'm rocking all of a sudden. Red light, green light, don't say no. (laughs) Red light, (laughs) green light, don't say no. She says, stop, baby, go, go, go. I thought, okay, she said, stop, but baby, go, go, go. Because you're not taking no for an answer, are you, Paul? And Paul Stanley, not exactly one of those guys I see as a Gene Simmons type who will literally like, well, she said no, but I know she meant yes. You know, I I feel like Paul Paul's like the one guy you think might actually go. You know, I don't think that's right. You know, and move on. Or you know, I heard the lyrics again, and I'm I'm doing the air guitar, and I'm and I put the guitar down. I'm like, I can't listen to that. I can't listen to Red Light, Green Light, Don't Say No. She says, Stop, baby, go, go, go. And you know, she said, Stop, Paul, leave her alone. Okay, why? I get it. And making love is a great concept and it's, it's it's a, it's raw and it's hot and who doesn't like making love, right? Unless she says, no, that trope, the idea of what she really means is, or I don't want you to say no and you're not gonna. And even if you do, I'm going to ignore it. I mean, that's like at the root of the me too movement of that song, right. which I've loved for years. And it was like, ah, uh... Got to find another song. Oh, I mean, as you bring up that song, I I keep thinking
0: about some of the other songs he penned on the album, especially the one where he says, "Put your hand in my pocket and grab onto my rocket. Feels so good to see you, <laughs> Lucille." Okay,
1: I, did I you I, really I, want to? I don't know. You know, well, here's the deal. You know, I'm, I I teach a human sexuality course uh, mm-hmm. at UMass Horrible, and and we discuss this stuff a lot. And actually, I just got done meeting with students today. That it's it's the idea of. Um, of permission and the idea of, of consent and those kinds of things. And it's like, listen, if she's saying, please, you know, I'd like to hold your rocket, Mr. Stanley. That's one thing. Could you find a way to write that rather than, uh, you know, get in my pocket. Here's my rocket. Here's some money from a locket. Let's, you know, let's plug it into the socket. There's gotta be a way you can write that sexy vibe without forcing yourself on someone as you know, the pretense for making the song happen. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. I think it's something about the sexual
0: revolution at that time, where everyone was sort of like, well, then, you know, all bets are off, everything is permitted at this point. But then, upon reflection, I don't know how it it played. I mean, to our twelve year old ears, it was just like, "It's oh, pretty good, yeah, it's cool, yeah, right?" Yeah. But you know, jumping up and down like like idiots. But as fifty seven year old men looking back at that time and thinking about maybe the eighties and the nineties, thinking how that those messages. In some ways, gotten they got softer, but in, in many
1: ways, they never did. In fact, they got harder as they went yeah. on from, from KISS. I don't know. Where is the female empowerment? You know what I mean? It's okay to have a mm-hmm. sexual revolution. I mean, let's, you know, the 50s were no no fun to be around. I'm sure that was a horrific time in human sexual history. Oh, my word. But where are the women asserting their needs, their desires? When Why is it always the man driving the narrative in this stuff? I get it, it's because they're the singers and the songwriters predominantly. Mm-hmm. But come on, man. You could still get your groove on by including everybody in your sexual revolution, not just you warriors while you're, you know, taking over the maidens in the villages. So this kind of dovetails into a pick that I
0: don't know if I'm going to go too deeply into, but it's by a rapper named Ghostface Killah, and it's a song called Wildflower. And it's from that golden era of rap from the 1990s. Now, as I said, I don't know if I should even bother with this song because it is so explicit and almost profane. As I said, it comes from that golden era of rap or golden age of rap in the mid-90s. And it's kind of like rock music was back in, say, the 60s and part of the 70s when it was dangerous because of lyrics like with what Kiss was doing or or the Rolling Stones. And so I think I'll pivot to the Pina Colada song by Rupert Holmes instead. <laughs> well, <I'm laughs> now, that's a song. You, I, I know There's a, that's a song that where people in a relationship are thinking about cheating on each other and communicating their preferences through personal ads under aliases, you know, like if you're not into yoga, if you have half a brain, boy, that's some real Cyrano stuff going on there.
1: <laughs> and to hear you recite these lyrics like we're doing a poetry reading in a coffee <laughs> shop is pure joy for me right now. I hope you will <laughs> out there. Okay. Again. So I picked up the paper. I'm ready to have you just tell me the story, Dr. Astrogatu. No, I'm nobody's poet. I thought it wasn't half bad.
0: Yes, I like pina coladas, (laughs) getting lost in the rain. If you're not into yoga, if you have half a brain, if you like making love at midnight in the dunes of the Cape, I'm the lover you're looking for. Come with me and escape. Trying Mm. to put the uh, question mark at the end
1: just to give, give her a choice in the matter, right? yeah some sort of a supposed choice and again a song that that has the most unrealistic possible ending to a song ever which is oh it was you okay (laughs) well you were planning i think it's so quaint the way you did it and frankly so was i (laughs) why don't we just it seems like we're really meant for each other what this is like marriage therapy let's cheat let's get caught doing it and realize wait a minute all along you were the one i was hoping for give us a kiss (laughs) But isn't there something kind of hairy and cocainey and even selfish that just screams mid seventies about this song? The sort, you know, the untucked, out of shape bodied Hawaiian shirt. That whole vibe just makes me want to, you know, throw up and run. You know, hey, nineteen seventy nine called. You know, they they want their trip to Oahu back. Ah, <laughs> oh, yuck! It's a song that
0: makes me feel like okay. Here's what it feels like to listen to this song now. Think of your parents having sex right now, or better yet, your grandparents having sex. Gross you yeah? out? Yeah,
1: that's how I feel
0: about the pina colada song.
1: Can I just say, as a, as an instructor in in the in the sexual arts, I guess not a sexual arts. I teach human sexuality. It's different than the, in the arts sexual studies that. in the sexual, sexual studies. studies. Yes, thank you, Ed. Gross is in the eye of the beholder right? Mm -hmm. Yes. It's hard to imagine maybe your parents or grandparents having sex, but they did because you're here. We're all here at some point. Is there a way to push past that concept? And it because I I get what you're trying to do. We're trying to imagine some of these songs and and we're wanting to throw up in our mouths to some degree. And that's one way to to generate that. But I hope, I hope we're on a pathway of enlightenment where it's okay. If you're 97 and your partner's 96 and everybody's consenting, you go at it like a couple of field mice and don't worry about what people are thinking. That's all I'm saying. I like your sex positivity. I was using sexual negativity
0: just to put underscore, just to really put a fine point on how this song makes me feel sometimes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was an effective use of sexual negativity. Well done, Doc.
0: Thank you very much. And now I turn it over to you for your pick, my dear sir.
1: I've got to just wrap this up with a couple. Can I'm going to lump a few together that are just all is the title. And if you haven't thrown up in your mouth, uh, try. Use your finger. Wingers 17. The song by Winger that like came out in 91. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's only 17. It's 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 a heinous song. that I mean, even, even when it came out, people were like, so Kip Winger, the bass player and singer, is what, 31? And, and she's only 17. It's, it's awful. You can't listen. It's got, it's got a good riff. So, again, that's how it kind of got on radio. But I think people recognize very quickly. It's basically illegal. The damn Yankees, who I don't like to mention because Ted Nugent was in that band. Right, we love right. Tommy. And I think we like Jack Blades, right? He's not a bad guy, the um, bass player from Night Ranger. Anyway, they Mm -hmm. made up a band called Damn Yankees from the uh, early 90s. You know that. They had a song – well, they had a bunch of songs that were heinous. The most uh, most heinous of all of them being Coming of Age, which is just a lyrical – you know, it's like if you're drunk Uncle Bob who's just, you know – barely out of prison were to jot down a couple ideas for a rock pop song. I'll see you. Uh, she's looking dynamite and her sweater's really tight. And she's going, how do you like these so far? I don't know. Tommy Shaw. What do you think? This is crap. You were in a band called sticks. How can you even sing shit like this? But you did. <laughs> Uh, and it's a horrible song. Um, I put uh Jay-Z's 99 problems on this list as well mm-hmm. for some obvious, mm-hmm. but like you, I feel like that's a rabbit hole. I don't necessarily want to go down. There's a lot of stuff out there that upon further reflection is just not, it's not in keeping with, with a uh, positive forward motion with regard to society. My friend, I can't disagree because we agree on the topic and, and all the songs
0: you're mentioning. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. My uh, last pick is, Human League, Don't You Want Me. Great song, but honestly, if you think about the opening lyrics, he's kind of a controlling a-hole. Here it is. You were working as a waitress in a cocktail bar when I met you. I picked you out, shook you up, and turned you around and turned you into someone new. Now, five years later on, you've got the world at your feet. Success has been so easy for you, but don't forget, it's me who put you where you are now, and I can put you back down too. Okay. So the Me Too movement, not only about sort of sexualizing uh, women or potential or actual rape, but also about control and power. And this song definitely has that as the opening lyric. And like I said, I... Still like the song when I hear it, because I'm thinking, eh, it's it's, got, it's catchy. I remember watching the video on MTV, but I never really paid that much attention to the lyrics, especially sort of as he gets close to the chorus part. But that's one song where I just kind of go, yeah, you're kind of an a-hole. You know, you really are. Uh, I know maybe you're playing a
1: character, but uh, the character is not very <laughs> savory, shall we say and look what masqueraded as sort of cutting edge and dark you know because that's the the vibe he's going for i think it's a pop song with a little bit of darkness to it but now darkness as we reflect and we're doing that a lot on the the, the cast today it's crap it's 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 negativity it's it's anti-women it's control it's not trent reznor type of of cutting edge and darkness you know it's not that type of stuff it's It's crap masquerading as cutting edge, I would say. And there's so many examples of that, just like you're talking about. I throw into my honorable mention category Santana's "Black Magic Woman" from my classic sour list. Hmm, I mean, okay. I'm a Carlos Santana fan all day long. I mean, cutting edge right. the way he mixed Latin rhythms and hard rock, and that's great. And you get caught up, and all of a sudden, you know, you're uh, you're hanging out with all these people. My pots are cold when I come home. Come on, "Black Magic Woman," no, where's my right. where's my dinner, right? I mean, and the sad thing about a song like that, you know, and I know it's a cover of another song, but I mean, it's right. their, their version. I think 1969, 1970, where it was okay to have that trope. Of the hey, I'm home. Where's my food? Hey, my pots are cold. And you're you're out there talking to your friends when you should be you know scrubbing the toilets. It's like how did they get away with it? They did. And a lot of us let it continue to happen because well, Carlos is such an amazing guitar player. Wow, we've seen him live. We saw him at Woodstock. I
0: say back And that song is so immersive too because of the of the like you said it's a, it's a fusion of rock and Latin, and yeah. it just has a vibe to it. It just brings you right in. And again drums. it's it's the music oh, yeah. that kind of obscures the lyrics and those lyrics are like you go hey wait what I'm going to put in one more cringy one just just for fun thank you
1: Paul Anka you're having my baby well, no, it didn't age well. And I'll tell you, it, it you will get hypnotized by the 70s string arrangement that runs through this song. Paul Anka, known for his ballads, I mean, he was a popular singer in the 50s and 60s. He and Perry Como were drinking at the same bars, plotting that same career path. But he somehow hung around long enough to do that kind of AM radio pop. And you'll hear that in the song go, yeah, I can kind of sing along. Yeah. Having my baby, what a lovely wave scene has. What? What is he singing about? Are you kidding? me? And it's like again, they're getting away with that stuff because we allowed those tropes to be tropies Is, is tropie a word? Anything is, can be a word, I guess. So tropie can be a
0: word, tropy and then even even me. like the lyric, "The seed inside you, can you feel
1: it growing?" It's like, oh man, that's just this is something wrong there. Not often that I will enjoy a conversation with you, Ted, and then feel like I need like tums when we're done. <laughs> I was going to say, we've had the best time ever. It's always like, can't wait to see you again. Can't wait to see you again. But man, I need, I feel like I need a shower after just discussing some of these tunes. If you sing that song to Meg, just watch her face or reaction and see what she thinks. You know, and that really, it almost would be fun to film that because anybody who knows my wife, uh, my spouse, my partner, uh, she's just amazing, but she just does not take any crap from anyone. And that just the idea would, she would literally kind of turn pale, probably gray. And then I don't know what would happen next. I mean, it'd be fun to film it unless it it caused me some bodily damage. I'd have to have like a disclaimer, honey, you know, I'm just singing this for effect. I don't believe it. I'm not into this at all, but I don't know if even that would, uh, would protect me. Ugh, I I, wow. env- I envision a, a spit take when you start singing it.
0: That's what I envision. Like, Are you kidding me, John? Yes, I am. Yes, I'm I am. I'm totally kidding. Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> well, kidding. I got to say that was a weird but fun episode, John. And I want to thank you for being on the pod to talk about songs that haven't aged all that well, especially in the era of
1: Me Too. I really appreciate being a part of this discussion because in all seriousness, it is important to reflect, to look back on some stuff that we, ah, that's probably okay because it's got a great guitar solo in it. You know, it's not. People are making amazing new music that doesn't have to have those tropey tropes we talked about, that doesn't have to vilify things like equality and permission and sex positive types of things. That's what artists are creating now. let's, Let's let some of that stanky stuff out, man. Let's just flush it out of your system a little bit and realize it's, you know, we can do better amen brother amen and that's it for this episode
0: i think i need a shower thank you dear listeners for giving me time to entertain you inform and maybe creep you out a bit until next time take care we'll see you